We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done founding members of the wb club wake and bake come on where's toby so i'm practicing you know social distancing and i have a few tips for everybody you know you know no sharing pipes or joints things like that the three words that describe this show and i quote stink stank Stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday Suckage, we're here with you for you. We suck so you don't have to. We're here to wrap up the 2021 week baseball season. It appears to be ending by this weekend. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. And we should not have, this should not be unexpected that a sport would end sooner than we thought because of idiocy of human beings. Hi, Mark. Hi, Steve. If they were going to shut down the season, why wouldn't they have just done it last night? I mean, if they have if they have decided that they have gotten to baseball, we're talking, if they have decided they have gotten to a breaking point, a danger point because of the virus, why aren't we shutting it down now? Uh, and they're not. They're going to wait one more day or whatever, two more days, I guess, today and tomorrow and then Monday. Please be sure to have extra programming ready on your radio stations and television stations. Have the dancing bear or whatever you might have. So if they truly were shutting it down, uh, they would do it now. This is why I don't think they're going to shut it down. Well, I do, because Rob Manfred hates baseball players, but he loves money. He likes getting paid. He likes making money for the owners who are risking nothing and going nowhere near anybody with COVID-19. 
and there's nobody in charge um, of the managers uh, or the players who continue to do stupid things. So I think it's the battle for money. It it the there's a reason that one of the first notices we heard about went out to the TV rights holders. That's where play follow the money. Number one rule in life: follow the money. That's where it goes. So. Until Rob Manfred believes that spigot is totally turned off, there's going to be a baseball season, and he keeps threatening people. But baseball is so so ham-handed and stupid. I mean, if you do contact tracing, let's go back to Don Mattingly testing positive for stupid. Marlins players <laughs> transmitting did, that stupid. Derek Jeter unbelievably still has this <clears throat> franchise. The franchise should either be have its charter pulled, it should fold, Mattingly should be fired. Where in baseball's 113-page protocol for coronavirus that has now killed over 150 Ameri- 150,000 Americans, where does it say the shortstop makes the shortstop makes a decision on whether you play when a team has an outbreak? It is simply. It's ridiculous. Baseball has shown its stupidity and its chase for money. The NBA is underway. The NBA has played several days. It's been really good. The NHL will get underway today with games starting now and going right through tomorrow morning and then more, and they've done the whole bubble thing. Baseball's clueless. I I think the reason they haven't officially shut it down, latest news today is you have... Six Cardinals personnel, believed to be three players and three staff people, tested positive. After yesterday's game was canceled, today's game was canceled. The doubleheader originally scheduled on Friday for tomorrow is, I guess, still on, but we'll wait and see. I don't. I just don't see baseball giving in like this. This is it's, going great. It, it is. That's what's, that's, I don't see baseball giving in, Mark. That's why I just see it's, there's a perpetuation of stupid, and baseball is trying to corner the market on it. So you and I agree, maybe for different reasons, but we both agree that they're not going to shut baseball down. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Right. Not not until you know there's, there's one person alive and he could play. Right. Until they mimic, what was it? What was the... The fan was that the movie with Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro and a guy playing <laughs> yeah. baseball in the rain by himself? Some <laughs> right. some idiot final scene, right? Wasn't or Monty Python, or or Monty Python. You can go. <laughs> it's not dead food. yet. Yeah, give me a fresh one. Yeah, until you're the a, black. You're night. a weird one, aren't you? <laughs> yes, you are. No, I, I, you know, in this case, there, there is, there is much to go through. You can go through many bullet points of Rod Manfred and his stupidity if you'd like. But right now, I'm just mad at 25 year old kids because they're the ones that are not following the protocols. And yeah, the Marlins specifically, if they were going to shut baseball down, and it ain't gonna happen. If they were gonna shut baseball down. It would have happened, yeah, when most of the Marlins team became infected. That's when you shut your sports down. When one of your teams, one of your, what is baseball, 30 or 32, I always get it mixed up with the NFL. When one of the major companies within your network 
goes down, is basically deleted. That's when you shut the sport down. If they didn't do it then, they're not going to do it today. They're not going to do it tomorrow, and they're not going to do it on Monday. And this is, as I said via Twitter, and not everybody has the Twitter, so I'll say it right now, this is Rob Manfred's version of, I'll turn this car around if you guys don't straighten up. I'm serious. I'm going to float stuff out there. Keep your hands to yourself. I'm going to turn this car around, and there'll be no Cape Canaveral for anybody. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. (laughs) That's it. That's what will happen. That's what will happen. So this is the only way Rob Manfred feels he or whomever is actually throwing down these orders to Keith Olbermann and to, to other people who are allowing it to get into the sphere, that this is them saying, Straight. This is the only way they know how to get through to a 22 to 25 year old. Look, we we're we're not kidding here. We're telling our our TV and radio guys be ready for alternate program because we're gonna do this. If they were really worried, if they were really worried, they would shut it down yesterday. So it ain't happening. That baseball is going to be played whether you want it or not. All right, I I do want it. I I do and I do too. and <laughs> and I don't want Craig, Craig Kimbrell. I think really? that he has now been officially declared as the seventh level of hell. And Boo! I don't know why he's still a cub and not in South Bend. I mean, I'd rather have Dylan Maples because there won't be the threat to try to close with Dylan Maples. I mean, that was, we're talking a six to one game that he turned into a save situation by giving up back-to-back home runs. That's two home runs on four pitches. This is, we'll act now, Mark, like the season is going to continue and like it matters. And I was going to say, going into yesterday, which I was going to ask you if if this had been a Saturday contest yesterday, do you fear more, you Darvish starting or Craig Kimbrell closing? Such a terrific question. You know, Darvish, Darvish ended up being okay. He had some deep counts early in the game. He was doing his pitch count thing, raising it up and nibbling like he's got an 87-mile-per-hour fastball. But obviously things went okay for you, Darvish, last night. The Kimbrel thing, so he gives up the home run to Josh Bell. You're like, okay, all right, that, that sucks. That's horrible. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. You're like, all right, Josh Bell. <laughs> is kind of a Cubs killer, and he's a terrific player. And then right. Colin Moran hits a home run. And every like every single ball that was hit in that inning was hit right on the screws. I mean, there, there was nothing that wasn't a hard hit. And even Jim Deshays was saying it last night. He, you, could, you could feel him shaking his head, and he actually said during the broadcast something about, you know, wondering out loud, is this guy tipping pitches? He's throwing 97. There's not a lot. He's still not throwing the changeup, the famous changeup that he had supposedly worked on in the off season. It's we're at the point of okay, there's there's no more excuses. There's something wrong with this guy. He has lost something, or somebody is on to him. This is no longer a viable option. Yes, he's tip. Every pitch he throws, he is tipping his pitches. Every pitch he throws is hittable. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, it's yes. just and it's been that way. And it's been trending that way. And I can't, I, I don't know, if, if you were Tom Ricketts and you, were, you weren't already losing so much money, I don't know how you look at that and look at what that was paid to Kimbrell and, and look at Theo and said, really? 
Really? Are you going to keep making pitching decisions? I mean, he's not really as bad as as Ryan Pace with quarterbacks, but oh my God, that's just that's just awful. Um, yeah. We have several notes on the. I don't want to miss this on the text line that um, Peoria Matt texts us. Kimbrell would still give up a home run if he was the last remaining player in the game. That's good. We like that. And our text number, by the way, 312-644-6767. That's also our phone number that nobody calls, but that's our text number. And the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And the other, Mark, I don't think we've gotten a text in all the time of Saturday Suckage and Wake and Bake existing. I don't think we've ever had this from the 469, wherever that area code is. First time ever Wake and Bake with Rosie. Thank you, divorce. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Oh. Does that mean that this is the first there's time a lot going, There's a lot going on there, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot, go, a lot to, a lot to what, unpack. What is that? Inter- well, unpack it, because I have no idea what that was. You read it prominently, first, but first, I don't get first, it. First time ever somebody is waking and baking with our show, and he's oh. thanking his divorce for that opportunity <laughs> to wake and bake <laughs> with us. Okay. So I, got it. I, I, got it. I there's a lot a lot to unpack there. I think we did it. I don't know if that's actually the T-shirt we're looking for, but it certainly covers a multitude of sins. You should smoke right. weed every day. Thank you, Nate Dog. Um, we're here we, if you need us. You know, I mean, like in that regard, in whatever way, shape, or form, if we could provide some sort of therapy, a better day for you. Yes, yes, we are here for you. Right. Or as they sang in the Book of Mormon, tomorrow will be a latter day. Okay, so we, uh, we're going to take a break, and we are going to run our guest list this way. Here's our, our starting lineup. Is at 11.20, coming up soon, Lamont Pope will be here, Chicago Tribune. We're going to talk Chicago White Sox. Um, they, they, had, they brought up Nick Madrigal from, from, from Schaumburg after he learned everything there was. He learned all the magic in a week. And and he went over three because he couldn't have done that at the major league level. He had to be able to learn all that going over <laughs> three in his major league debut in Schaumburg. And he was out this of play. Just, yeah, it was just such a this is just such a fraud that baseball teams are perpetrating on players. But the players agreed to that, so it was all about service time. And and I guess the Sox looked at it. Well, six days in Schaumburg—that's like going to Hogwarts. That's baseball. Hogwarts. So he learned all the magic there is, and he's up here. We'll talk to Lamont at 11:20. At noon, Evan Altman will join us. Real Cubs insider. He writes that blog. We're hoping to hear his son screaming and yelling and playing Fortnite in the background. And the Cubs will. We'll see if you know Kyle Hendricks is or Tyler Chatwood is his um, Cy Young winner of the one-week season. We sure. will talk with J.J. Stankovitz at, from NBC Sports Chicago at 1. Um, it, every time I hear Mitch Trubisky speak, I feel dumber. Uh, I wonder if other people are feeling that way, too. We'll, ask, we'll talk to you about that, Mark. And at 1.20, Jay Zawoski, scores hockey expert, he will be here. He will be here to talk pucks. The Hawks will drop the puck. They will play in their 
playoff game at 2 o'clock. That's when they game one of their five-game series against the Edmonton Oilers, against a very fast team that has Connor McDavid, the fastest player in the league, Leon Dreisaitl, who might be the MVP of the league, and we'll see if Corey Crawford can be Corey Crawford because he's going to have to be with that horrible defense in front of him. So that's what we've got planned. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some Sox baseball as the Sox season continues to move along. Every baseball season, or this baseball season, continues to move along unless we hear something during the break. Rosenblum and Grody, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. One ball, two strikes. One strike to get for Colomay. Fastball cut him down, and the Sox win the opener in Kansas City. Adam Angle's three-run home run does the trick, and Colomay and the bullpen hang on. So, look, there's been some spotty aspects to this team this year, but one thing's been constant. That bullpen has been overwhelming, and no exception tonight. They went the distance, got the save. Sox get the win two in a row. Good ball game. Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, highlights on NBC Sports Chicago. White Sox beat the Royals 3-2 on Friday night. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Saturday suckage. So here's an update. St. Louis seems to be the center of all this. Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. St. Louis Cardinals have had six positive tests from their 58-person traveling party. They had two on Thursday, four so far today. Those six have been isolated and will be retested. Everyone is being retested today. All the results from Friday's tests are not in yet. So the doubleheader scheduled for tomorrow between the Cardinals and Brewers has not been addressed while yesterday's game was canceled. Today's game also has been canceled. So we're waiting on that. In the meantime, there still seems to be a baseball season. So we're going to talk to Lamont Pope with the Chicago Tribune about this baseball season for the White Sox as he joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Lamont, how you doing today? Hey guys, I'm doing all right. How's it going? It's going. It's going well. It's it's going about as the Sox bullpen is going about as well as could imagine. Three and two thirds scoreless. Jimmy Cordero, Evan Marshall, Alex Colomay. This was, you don't dope it out any better after Dallas Keuchel looks like, okay, I'm going to get into trouble, get out of it. Adam Engel hits some miracle shot, and there we go. <laughs> this was, this is an interesting Sox game, so put it in perspective for us. 
Yeah, I mean, very much so. I mean, Dallas wasn't as sharp as he was in his first outing there against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you know, like I said, he, he kind of got in some trouble there in the third and fourth inning and was able to get on out of that with only allowing the one run in the third, and then he gave up the home run before exiting there in the sixth. And then the bullpen has done what, you know, I think it's 16 and two-thirds scoreless innings during this road trip, and so the bullpen's been very effective uh, to date. Um, you know, they, they got the timely hit from um, from Adam um, Engel, and, and then the bullpen and, and Craig were able to do the rest. And so a, a good start uh, for that trip there out in Kansas City. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I like I like the way the bullpen worked. Yeah, I mean, I think in particular, you know, Keuchel, Keuchel is fun to watch, and I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of us have seen him close up, and I think that in Chicago we're lucky to kind of have a an appreciation for those types of, I'm going to call them throwback starters, with having watched Mark Burley's career watching Kyle Hendricks's career and now Dallas Keuchel who is unique because he's not afraid to induce contact I mean he he you mentioned getting out of the jam getting Mikel Franco to pop out with the bases loaded and then later on gives up the double to McBroom and then strikes out Alex Gordon and uh, Bubba Starling and Nicky. They got great names on Kansas City, by the way. Bubba <laughs> Starling. My God, I'm I'm just going on this monologue here. <laughs> McBroom and you, you add a you add a wide and Nicky. You have a Nicky Lopez. All sorts of great names here. But but Keuchel's fun to watch as long as you can handle a little bit of contact. Yeah, and that's where the the team's defense really has to come into play, right? I mean, you know, they, there's been so much uh, emphasis on. Guys like Tim Anderson and uh, Eloy Jimenez trying to trying to make some improvements defensively, but when you have a guy that uh, pitches contact like Dallas, you, know, you guys have to, the guys really have to be on top of things defensively. Um, and with another thing with Dallas as well is just sort of like um, you know, the, the way that he was able to navigate through those innings is something that Ricky Renteria said is is something that, that some of these younger guys can can look at and and kind of learn from as well. You know. Uh, taking some of those, not having your best stuff, but being able to pitch on through in those sort of circumstances, something that maybe a guy like a, like a Dylan Seas can kind of say, all right, hey, I might not have my best stuff, but let me try to attack these hitters anyway and see what happens. Our guest is Lamont Pope, Chicago Tribune, talking White Sox with him here on The Score. So Tim Anderson is, I did, did you pinpoint exactly when he got hurt, just doing stuff, pirouettes in the field, just playing the field, just... Um, yeah, no, but there were yeah there were a couple of uh, you know, there were a couple of rounders that he went after. I think there was one in in the hole that kind of you know, kind of slipped there. Um, and I think there was one earlier in the game as well, in which he's kind of going after. I think both of those plays that he kind of uh, kind of tripped over himself. They kind of um, set off the injury, and so we'll get an update in a little while uh, just to see how he's doing. Um, after the game, Rick Renteria said that he was day to day, and so we'll we'll have. A, uh, further uh, information here in a little bit just to see how he's doing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's good to, to hear. Hopefully he's all right because you definitely want that bat. You still want to clean up some of his defense. I want to I address the, the, the batting order. And I, for <laughs> the record, I was saying that Luis Rob, before the season started, we were having fun on one of the shows, setting up lineups for the Sox, and I said... I think Luis Robert should bat in the first inning every single night, as in one, two, or three. And I was pretty much shouted down by most people, and now I think more people are on my side in that regard. And I'm, I'm watching the game last night, and the, the Sox have first and second, nobody out. Abreu hits into a double play, 
And then Grandal strikes out looking. I'm thinking, couldn't have Robert been up in either of those situations, or shouldn't he have been? Then in the second, Robert, albeit, hits a grounder with a guy on, but he beats out the double play. So then mm-hmm. you see his speed, the bat, everything. I think it's, is it is it going to happen, Lamont? Is it, is, are we going to see Ricky finally acquiesce and move him up in the lineup here soon? Uh, well, I don't <laughs> Probably not. That's a big no. That's a big no, isn't it? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you, you mentioned that play there in the, the second inning. I mean, that, that looked like a routine uh, double yes. play ball, right? And and he just zoomed down the line and beat it out. And then James gets hit in the head, and then um, and then James, and then you know that sort of extends the inning. And then you know McCann gets hit, and then Engel comes up and hits home run. And so you know, the, uh, at least being able to beat out that that double play yeah. ball. You know, I mean that that set the tone for that entire inning, and so that's I mean that's just another. And I, I totally agree with you. I think that he should be up higher in the lineup because he can just impact the game in so many ways with that speed, with his power, um, and and so yeah, I think it, you know you always want to have your, your you know your best players get as many at bats as possible, and and he's you know he's clearly been able to to adapt well right off the bat. Uh, to big league pitching, and he's just been so much fun to watch. And so yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I would like. I would think that it would be wise for the White Sox to have him hit a little higher in the order, but uh, but I think you know it, it's one of those situations again where Ricky has said he wants to get him just more and more comfortable, you know, I guess, on a day-to-day basis, and so he's going to continue to hit him in that uh, sixth or seventh spot. And I, and, I mean, what good did it do Aloy last year? It, did, it didn't do Jimenez any good last year because he he was awful to start the season. I may, maybe you say, okay, it's good that he was hidden, but. I'm of the belief that, you know, Aloy started getting good and started hitting his long balls once he got moved up in the order last year. So I, I get it. I get what you're saying there, Lamont, that, that that this is the way Ricky does business. But I sometimes you got to get a little bit more creative and, and step outside of your comfort zone or stop putting these plans in, in ink. Yeah, and one thing, though, with, with this year's team, I guess, is that there is a little more depth than last year, obviously, you add in a ground all, even though he's off to a little bit of a slow start. You add in a Encarnacion, again, even though he's off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, yeah, And so, yeah, you, you kind of think that you, you've been able to lengthen the lineup, and so you're able to kind of ease him on in there a little bit, but he's he's yeah. shown, Robert has shown that he's, you know, he's ready, and he can produce, and so why not have him have as many opportunities to help the football club as possible? Our guest is Lamont Pope of the Chicago Tribune, talking White Sox baseball here. And really, what underscores this, what makes me scream, what makes me go on a screed, is Nicky Delmonico is Renteria for Nephi Perez. Remember Cub fans, how it used to make you crazy? Nephi Perez kept showing up mm-hmm. in Dusty Baker lineups, just Ooh, Dusty Baker yes. teams, like he was the panacea for her. That's Nicky Delmonico. So in a doubleheader with Cleveland, Nicky Delmonico and his 0.83 average are batting cleanup. Not Louis Robert. He left Delmonico left three men on, three men on base. That was the most in the game. He went one for four. Congratulations. He raised his average to 125 and his OPS to 347. That's your cleanup hitter. Louis Robert also went one for four in the seventh spot. And his OPS was 979. I mean, this is embarrassing even for Renteria and the way he constructs lineups as though he hates the White Sox. Now, (laughs) this is a guy who's supposed to win this year. And I wonder if this is something the Cubs saw 
and really didn't mind getting away from as well as embracing Joe Madden, who had a better history. But this is a guy who's supposed to win. So what recommends a a man who makes these kind of lineups, Lamond, as as a guy who who can win? If he gets the pitching, they can even overcome his lineup making. Well, I mean, this will you know this is obviously the the most talented team that he's had, you know, either you know, either with the Cubs or with the White Sox now, and so uh, we're going to get the opportunity to to see um, just how he's able to manage that on a day to day basis with with this group of talent. You know, obviously um, they're going to be adding uh, Nomar Mazara sometime soon. I mean, he's back. He's he's over in Schaumburg um, recently, and so that will be another piece that they can add on into the lineup, and so we'll, it'll be interesting just to see where, where he's slotted in as well, but you, know, you take a look at it overall, obviously just up and down with the lineup, and then also with, as far as just the pitching up, you know, even before, you know, a couple of the, some of the injuries and uh, and Michael opting on out, you know, they're, they're, this is by far the most talented group that he's had, and so that's going to be one of the, the tests, even in this pandemic-shortened season, uh, just to see how uh, Ricky's able to navigate on through uh, with, with this type of group. All right, so Gio Gonzalez today, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, Gio today. <laughs> they are. Th- I said at the beginning of the season that like if if Gio becomes a regular part of the starting rotation, something has gone wrong, and that's obviously the situation they are in with Michael Kopech having opted out, um, and Reynaldo Lopez now being injured. Um, what are they expecting out of him today? Is today gonna is today gonna be plant, like kind of one of those planned bullpen days, or is Gio ramped up? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think he's, you know, he's obviously this be his first uh, start of the season. He, he worked out, out of the bullpen. Um, so, yeah, there, there really hasn't been a, a set plan as far as, you know, we're only going to hope for two or three and then kind of use the bullpen out of that, out of that nature. I mean, you know, obviously the, the plan uh, when they um, acquired um, Gonzalez, when, you know, everyone thought it was going to be a full season, was, you know, kind of spot him in there for that fifth spot, spot in the rotation until – uh, Rodon and until um, Kopech, we're going to be able to, to you know, be be healthy, fully healthy, and, and be able to impact the team. And so now in this uh, pandemic shortened season, you know, he he had the mindset until you know up until last week when they had him set the rotation that he was going to be part of that that starting rotation. And so he, I think he's still prepared and he's he still has that starter's mindset. And so I guess we're just going to kind of wait and see how many innings can he can he give them. Um, obviously, the part of the problem that the team has had. Uh, early this season has been uh, the starting pitching as far as that, that first time on through, um, you know, only having Dallas be the only one that, that went more than four innings. And obviously now you know, Lucas was able to uh, do that in, in his start the last time around against Cleveland. So they, they, they've been wanting to get more length out of their starting pitching. And so uh, I think that the, the ideal of having uh, Gio go today you know, I'm guessing they're hoping that they can get four or five out of them and then kind of go to that bullpen because that bullpen is, even though they've been really good, they have been beautiful, they have been used a whole lot uh, so far early on this year. Luan Pope is our guest, Tribune. We're talking White Sox baseball with him. So it only took six magical days, six magical <laughs> nights in Schaumburg for Nick Madrigal to, I mean, that Schaumburg for the White Sox has turned into a baseball Hogwarts, the way they can turn out major leaguers just like that and he went 0 for 3 which he certainly couldn't have done by starting in the majors so we assume 
He's here to stay. We don't know what the mm-hmm. learning curve will be. But from what you've seen of him in this disjointed career that he's had, this disjointed life, how Joint. fast a learner is he? How how quick a study? And, and what are the White Sox expectations? What do they need to see to feel confident um, by the end of this weekend if, if that's as soon as they need to know it? Oh no! Yeah, I mean he's going to be in the lineup uh, four or five times a week. That's that's what uh, Renteria said last night, and so you know they're they're going to give him every opportunity uh, you know, to start and, and to be a player there at the at the uh, end of the lineup. Um, yeah, obviously he's known for for making contact, getting the bat on the ball. Uh, doesn't strike out an awful lot. I think only 16 strikeouts all uh, last season throughout his three trip three stops in the minors. Um, and so, so you know, in the defense, obviously, it's some, it's going to be an improvement over what they've had at second base so far uh, this season. Um, you know, they won a uh, Gold Glove minor league Gold Glove for second base uh, last year, and so, uh, so, so those are the things that he can give the team right off the bat that you know, uh, an upgrade there defensively, and someone who's going to be able to put the bat on the ball. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it's. He's not going to give you a whole lot of power, I mean, uh, but but he's someone who can make contact and hopefully, you know, well, Sox are hoping that he can get on base and kind of just, you know, kind of turn over the lineup and get get going with the guys at the top of the order as well. While we're talking get, about, he's going to get that, he's going to get that opportunity uh, day in and day out, um, and he's going to get that chance uh, to to show show what he can do here uh, at the big league at the big league level. Good. I mean, with everything that they obviously considering how highly he was picked in the draft and the the makeup, all that stuff, I'm glad that they're just going to let him roll and, and let him work through some things that I think that they can afford to do that considering the lineup around them. And hopefully he'll start hitting the baseball and, you know, get double singles, things like that. But what about what about Garrett Crochet with the with the unrest in the starting rotation right now? Could this could we see the White Sox number one pick? From this season, pitching a game this year for the White Sox, I'd say uh, unlikely. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, you know, I mean, he is there in the Schaumburg uh, training camp. Um, you know, he, obviously, he only pitched uh, one outing during uh, during the season during the season for Tennessee. You know, he had a little bit of a injury before the uh, further season started, kind of got up to, and then he. And then obviously he made the one start right before everything got shut on down, and so his arm is fresh. Um, but I think it's a situation where um, you know the, all the talk so far has just been they want to just get him sort of acclimated to uh, being in the system, being in the, being in the organization. Um, but I mean he is you know what 100 100 mile per hour arm, mm-hmm. fastball, um, you know has a wipeout wipeout slider. Um, so so he. He has a potential weapon, you know, uh, but but I think that right now the the talk is just sort of to kind of have him kind of learn. It, it, he, was, he talked to us actually the other day, and you know, he said that uh, you know obviously it's in the back of his mind, you know, having that opportunity to maybe help the team this season. But he said that uh, you know like he's 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 dealing with fastball command and trying to trying to learn those type of you know, kind of trying to perfect those type of things right now. And so um, so it's kind of hard for him to have those conversations about about playing at the major league level when he's still kind of learning things like uh, kind of tinkering his uh, forcing grip and things of that nature. Well, hopefully he gets all the magic that Schaumburg has to <laughs> offer and comes to the majors and is Sandy Koufax. All right, we appreciate your time, Lamont. Thanks for joining us today. Stay healthy. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yep.
Lamont Pope of the Tribune. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Mark, I need you to um, help decode stuff for me, help me to make sense of this. We will update you with whatever baseball news we have. And and yet the Bears were in the news this week. Mark, I need your help. You okay. Stand by to help Bears. me with this, okay? Bears. I'm here for you. All right. <laughs> Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to, though Mitch Trubisky seems to every time he opens his mouth. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. For me, it's very motivating. I mean, you're always going to have people writing you off, and it's it's just got to light a fire underneath you, which it has for me, and I'm just trying to prove everybody wrong and um, prove my teammates right. So um, it, there's just there's just so much hard work that goes into it, and for, um, for people to write you off, I mean, that – it definitely, it definitely motivates you in a way that you just want to go out there and play as best as you possibly can. So it's, I'm definitely fired up, and uh, I just, you got to make it happen. Go Bears! Okay, like I was saying earlier, every time I listen to Mr. Bisky, I just feel dumber. That was one of those instances. Steve Rosenblum. Mark Rohde with you, Saturday Suckage, nothing's more appropriate than talking Mitch Trubisky on Saturday Suckage. That's one of the things, Mark, I needed you to explain to me or shape or not spin, but just why don't make me feel as dumb as I do by listening to him when he talks about he's trying to prove everybody wrong and my teammates right. And every day I show up, he says, I have to prove myself that I'm the number one guy for this team. And I'm the leader. I show the guys that I'm the leader of this team and just roll with it going forward. I don't know what happened to the draft capital the Bears wasted on him that he should that would have been providing motivation, being the second overall pick, given a job, given a playbook. I, I don't understand where... This is coming from, this sounds like a desperate last gasp by a slow learner. Can you shed some light on this? Is there any chance I, you can actually, make me feel better I, about Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, I can. Oh, because okay. I don't know. Because, Steve, all right, you got to listen. Look at me. Look at me. Look at look. me. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Here, look. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> look, what, what else do you expect him to say at this point? I mean, they have blatantly told him, yes, you will have competition for quarterback. This is an open competition. What else What else do you want to hear from him other than I'm, I think I'm the best guy for this job. I need to prove it every day. I need to prove what I know and the guys in those locker rooms. Like, like, I'm seriously asking. I'm not trying to start a fight with you necessarily, Stevie Sunshine. But what what do you expect them to say? Like, what yeah. what else what else is there to say other than say all the right things? Which is what Trubisky tries to do. Like, like as far as like you say, you feel dumber listening. And just understand this about Trubisky. He speaks football, and that's all he speaks. When he's at the microphone. He's speaking football. He's speaking coach language. He is not trying to impress you with other things and other ideas. He is just speaking the bullet points. So I don't know if that helps at all, but I will go back to the other question. What do you expect Trubisky to say right now other than what he said? That's a really good point because he's being asked questions that lead to the same place. Yes. And I, I, yes. I, that's a point well taken. Uh, I just Maybe I should just do myself a favor and not listen. 
But then I would have missed this. This Maybe this surprised you. Maybe it didn't. Maybe you have thoughts on this. Maybe it's progress or maybe it's something that's way too late. Let me run this by you. That He had said he worked with Chicago area quarterbacks coach Jeff Christensen to make mechanical fixes. So this is the guy who runs the Throw It Deep Academy. He's tutored mm-hmm. other NFL quarterbacks, including... Patrick Mahomes, the woulda, coulda, shoulda been a Bears quarterback uh, who just won a Super Bowl and has been MVP, and is it Mitch Trubisky? So Trubisky says it's the first time he had adjusted his mechanics. And he, he said he did a couple things with his footwork, how he's holding the ball, where his release is coming from. When you heard that, when you played that back, now, when you read this, when I read it to you, what do you think? Is this progress or is this like, where have you been all this time? First thing I thought was another voice in Mitchell Trubisky's head. And that, <laughs> oh no, no, no that, that surprised me because it has always felt like he has had a million different coaches in his ear and sometimes it's convenient to say that's good but considering the results maybe you say well maybe he's had two and now this year he has different voices in his head when it comes to bill laser and john d filippo and to a lesser degree the offensive line coach who obviously they work in conjunction with in Juan Castillo and then now add Jeff Christensen so honestly my first thought was does he need another coach does he need somebody else telling him here's how you do it I like what he said I mean it sounds good when you say adjust like to make an adjustment we all want to hear that in sports we want to hear adjustments are made to become better in whatever sport it is and better balance in the pocket better footwork as you said the release the way he holds the football everything so it all sounds good i just don't know if he needs another coach okay let's let's take that for face value i understand the voices in his head he just i i think he I think he has failed to learn how to learn at the NFL level. Maybe he did at the college level if he couldn't beat out a XFL quarterback or a CFL defensive back or whatever that guy turned out to be. So I do think he's got a failure to learn how to learn. And I do think Matt Nagy has failed to communicate with him, especially after you heard the way Patrick McHolmes talked about the way Nagy talked to him and dealt with him and communicated with him and taught him the year before when he was in Kansas City. But let's put all that aside. Here's here's what really, even if this is all positive, even if Mitch is showing, let's consider this progress as opposed to finally you got around to this. The thing about mechanics that we've seen in this town as they look great in practice with no pass rush and then go to hell in games. And we saw that so often with Jay Cutler. Yeah. And now we've seen Mitch Trubisky unable to read defenses on any kind of consistent basis, see his coach for reference. So why, why should we feel confident believing that this is going to make a difference that he can carry this over into games 
when nothing really is carried over into games with him when it involves something critical. Now it's mechanics before it was reading defenses. Yeah, I mean, of course, all of this should just be blah, blah, blah to most people listening. There's no doubt. I mean, until you actually see him do it in a game because the Bears have, since day one of Trubisky, they have talked a great game, even going back to the quarterback room that they had had with Chase Daniel and Dave Bergone being the primary voice in his ear. It always sounded really mm-hmm. good, and there was some definite there was some definite goodness in 2018. It didn't exist last year, so no, of course. Of course you don't need to believe it until you see it, but at least they are being transparent about what they are telling us they are doing to make him better. Or at least Trubisky is telling you. He is saying, look, it's like struggling and I struck this is me now, Todd. I struggled in geometry, so I got a tutor. You know, like Mitchell Trubisky has has struggled to be a quarterback at the NFL level, so now he has Jeff Christensen, who is, in essence, his tutor. He is a tutor who works with him outside of the Bears' realm, and now that he's back in the Bears' bubble, hopefully some of that will have transferred, and um, hopefully it works out. But, yeah, no, I, I'm not going to tell anybody to, to you know, just trust that he's, it's all going to transfer until he's actually on the field playing quarterback for the Bears. Okay, do you think we, we saw... We saw Matt Nagy fail to make Mitch Trubisky a pocket quarterback. We fail, saw him fail to give him a running game. We heard Nick Foles talk about, I know this offense, I know how this works, I know what to do here, which leads me to believe that the coaches greatly favor Nick Foles because I see more playbook being open with Nick Foles at quarterback than with Mitch Trubisky. They've had to limit it, and you and I talked about this the last, you know, last 12 months. They had to limit it and just stress what Trubisky did well, which is actually a late coming to good coaching. But I think Matt Nagy's tendency, he loves his playbook. And even mm-hmm. if it's not a playbook, even if it's a scrapbook, a crazy quilt of neato plays that he can put on a wall or in a book or scratch out on napkins... He loves that more than he does a running game, more than he does making whatever quarterback he has look good because it it might sacrifice his playbook. So that sounds to me like Foles is your leader and your winner because there's more of Matt Nagy's plays that Foles could confidently run. You'd think so? Not think so? Do you hear anything that makes a difference? Yeah, so yesterday being on the zoom and then going back and listening to it this morning there was one soundbite from nick Foles, one answer i should say from nick Foles, that made me ask this question the question was and i'll tell you what he said was how does mitchell trubisky compete with this and what nick Foles did was he gave the resume of all the coaches on the staff he said i worked with bill laser in 2013 I worked with John Filippo in 2017 and 2019. And by the way, 2017 happened to be a Super Bowl winning year for Philadelphia. I worked with Matt Nagy in 2012. I worked with Matt Nagy in 2016. And then Foles goes on to say, they've seen me in games. They know what I'm like in games. Close quote. So this is it's me it. talking now. How does 
Trubisky compete with some, like Foles was so subtle yesterday in his whole concept of team and I'm gonna help anybody I don't care where I start and screw the disadvantage I, I you know me and Mitch are simpatico but that was a very subtle way of saying these guys know me man and I going into yesterday I was st- and I still think it's probably a slight edge to Trubisky because of some of the things that Matt Nagy said the day before which we can get to as well but Man, I having heard that in Foles, like specifically going through the resumes of these coaches and saying that they've seen me in games, I was like, how in the hell does Trubisky compete with that? Right, I, that's that's exactly exactly what I thought, and if for no other reason, I mean, you you laid out a whole bunch of great reasons. I hadn't I connected all those dots, but the idea that more of that Matt Nagy's choice for quarterback comes down to a guy who can run more of Matt Nagy's playbook is certainly not going to be Mr. Trubisky because he's tried that and failed miserably. And that's why Nick Foles figures to be the choice, even in practice, even though Trubisky looks good in practice. All right, we'll pick this up later on. We we need to have a break. We're going we're gonna to talk with Evan Altman, real Cubs insider, and we will talk about the Cubs as the season moves along. And we'll get back to talking about the Bears. And um, Mark will need to answer. I've gotten an update from my diva to help Julie Swika with her need-to-know gossip. And we'll fill that in next hour as well. Oh, and we might okay. as well do What Are You Doing, Wagner? Because that seems to be just perfect for What Are You Doing, Wagner? What do you think? Oh, dude. I it, We could talk dude. about Julie Swika. That is great because I adore... Julie Swika, lovely, talented. She can bake. I mean, she uh-huh. is everything. And then the diva. I love the diva, too. I mean, come on. This is. I, they, I did not know that these things were converging on the show today. So now, I as if I wasn't already excited about the rest of the show. Now, <laughs> wow, man. Follow the money, bro. He's that is so in, money. Yeah. Follow, follow the diva and the jewels. Okay. We will, uh, we will do that, and we'll talk some Cubs with Evan Altman next. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 